before we start this podcast, I just wanted to make a quick disclaimer. We are not scholars. We have not been to Bible school. We cannot take credit for the following opinions, ideas, or views, or historical facts. They are a combination of our own thoughts and thoughts of others that are way smarter and have worked much harder. We reference lexicons, commentaries, articles, sermons, and other educational videos and content to bring to you what we are going to share with you today. I will include all references in the description of this podcast as well as the year the content was posted. If we reference someone else's opinion, we'll try to state their name and the year they spoke it because their opinion may not have been up to date from when we came across them. Thank you so much for listening, guys, and I hope this episode blesses you as much as it blessed us recording it. Hello and welcome to another episode of The Disciples Quest. My name is Justin. I'm William. And I'm Emily. And we are discussing Hebrews 11, part two. We are very thrilled to bring this section uh, once again on the theme of faith throughout the characters of the Old Testament of the Bible. Obviously the Bible, the Old Testament's in the Bible. Um, but yeah, there's just really, really good stories in here that really touch on the faith of these people. But before we get into that today... Um, William, how was your week? Uh, I didn't do much this week. was very busy, uh, once again. I mean, I say that every week, but <laughs> I guess that's the way it is for the season of my life. So, um, But I'm not complaining. I, I actually enjoy it. So, I mean, the one thing that we did do this week that was uh, pretty fun is we we had a friend come over for supper, and we also hung out with this guy outside of the podcast, which like never happens anymore, so mm-hmm. that's kind of cool. Yeah. That's about it for us. So, for you, for me, <laughs> Emily did quite a bit more. <laughs> we watched the um, preview for this show called American Gospel, um, and which I think I'm very looking forward to. I don't know about you, but it's going to be talking about um, Bethel Church and kind of exposing them. I know Mike Winger and a bunch of other people made videos on Bethel, uh, but it's also talking about the hyper charismatic movement, right, yeah. uh, the NAR, mm-hmm. and just how they may have gone too far with how they talk about the indwelling of the holy spirit so can't wait to that one comes out because i watched the first one i didn't watch the second one but um yeah that was pretty good we had good discussion too where yeah. do you watch the them? third the third uh american gospel is supposed to be just as good as the second which was really good i never saw it and uh that one should be just good as the first one that was also really good i never saw it either yeah, <laughs> so where, where do you watch them i think it's on youtube and it's also on Amer- americangospel.com i'm pretty sure it's free to watch okay i could be wrong but i'm pretty sure it's free emily do you want to tell people what about what you did this week yeah um this week i got to see some friends and family um seeing justin and other people was a lot of fun i had a london fog twice today because i went with one friend to stella's uh for 11 in the morning and then at 2 p.m., I met up with Will's two sisters, and we went to Sam's place, which is actually moving locations soon, and they won't really? be selling books anymore either. Really? Mm-hmm. Uh, but it was a lot of fun because the books are 50% off, so if you're listening to this before March 31st of 2023, you should head down there, and uh, if you're in Winnipeg area... And get some cheap used books. Also, they have delicious London fogs. Um, so, yeah, I had a lot of fun with my friend and with my sister-in-laws. 
Um, and this week I babysat one of my nieces and one of my nephews, and it was a lot of fun. Um, they're great kids, and it's just... Spending time with kids is always fun. Mm-hmm. I mean, actually, that's not true. <laughs> it's not always fun. No. Sometimes they get <laughs> in a bad mood and they scream and cry. They do funny things. But they do funny things. Like, we took this giant box. My mom was with me when we were babysitting, and um, she took this giant box that was in the basement and made into a little house for them, Classic. and it was a lot of fun. And they were more interested in the box than anything else for, like, the longest time. It's so funny how, like, you can buy a kid a bunch of toys, and then they end up playing with the box that the toy came in more mm-hmm. than the toy itself. And exactly. It's like, Just get a that's box. That's a kid's brain for you. <laughs> yeah, so that's about it for my week. Uh, how was your week, Justin? My week was pretty good. Um... Once again, nothing else to report uh, when it comes to work. Uh, just work's been trucking on. It's been going good. Um, blah, 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 blah. Let me think about anything work-related. You are misogynistic. Oh, yeah. I hate women. <laughs> I'm a sexist. <clears throat> work was good this week. Uh, I guess the other update I can say, well, today I went out and uh, finalized a deal Um getting the car that i wanted i finally made up well i think i talked about it last time i was pretty sure now i'm 100 percent sure um so monday i'll be making a deposit and unfortunately the way the car market is right now anywhere at least in canada that i know of cars brand new cars are very hard to come by so i'll be waiting two to three months to actually get my car to come in because it has to be shipped here from the states but i'm excited but I'll be honest, I'm more nervous than excited just because it's a big amount of money, right? A 2023, that's that's not cheap. Insurance goes up quite a lot. So it's just, it's a lot to think about. And I really made sure that I dotted all my I's and crossed all my T's when it came to the finances and made sure that this is the right decision for myself. Also making sure it's something I can afford. I want to pay it off as soon as possible. I didn't want to be stuck with like a seven year. I wanted to get shorter than that. So just figuring all the numbers, seeing what I can afford, what I can't afford. And, uh, yeah, I'm excited because busing is okay, but it limits you when it comes to things like, well, what if I want to visit my brother who doesn't live in the city? Now I can't bus. So it's just, and job opportunities in the future and going to the gym, stuff like that. It's just cars these days. I wish it wasn't like that, but they're almost necessary. So that's been exciting, uh, that I'll have a car soon and yeah, it's a lot of money, but you know what? I'll, uh, I'll be able to do it. So I'm excited for that. That's so exciting. Yes. Yes, I'm very excited. All right, let's get into the podcast for today. So today we're reading from Hebrews chapter 11, starting at verse 13, and we will read till yes. 29. <laughs> All these died in faith without receiving the promises, but having seen them and having welcomed them from a distance and having confessed that they were strangers and exiles on the earth. For those who say such things make it clear that they are seeking of a country of their own. And indeed... If they had been thinking of that country from which they went out, they would have had the opportunity to return. But as it is, they desire a better country, that is, a heavenly one. Therefore God is not ashamed to be called their God, for he has prepared a city for them. By faith Abraham, when he was tested, offered up Isaac, and he who had received the promises was offering up his only begotten son. It was he to whom it was said, In Isaac your descendants shall be called. He considered that God is able to raise up people even from the dead, from which he also received him back as a type. By faith Isaac blessed Jacob and Esau, even regarding things to come. By faith Jacob, as he was dying, blessed each of the sons of Joseph and worshipped, leaning on the top of his staff. 
By faith, Joseph, when he was dying, made mention of the exodus of the sons of Israel and gave orders concerning his bones. By faith, Moses, when he was born, was hidden for three months by his parents because they saw he was a beautiful child and they were not afraid of the king's edict. By faith, Moses, when he had grown up, refused to be called the son of Pharaoh's daughter, choosing rather to endure ill treatment with the people of God than to enjoy the passing pleasures of sin, considering the reproach of Christ greater riches than the treasures of Egypt, for he was looking to the reward. By faith he left Egypt, not fearing the wrath of the king, for he endured, as seeing him who is unseen. By faith he kept the Passover and the sprinkling of the blood, so that he who destroyed the firstborn would not touch them. By faith they passed through the Red Sea, as though they were passing through dry land, and the Egyptians, when they attempted it, were drowned. Yeah, so in the first verses of chapter 11, from 1 to 12, that we already read on last week's podcast, there was talk about heroes, icons in the faith that came before, starting from the Garden of Eden and going to Abel and Enoch and going to Abraham and Sarah. So yeah, just a lot of great recalling of past stories from the Old Testament and how they came before just going over it, saying how faithful they were to God in having their faith and how God provided and using these people as an example. It then goes on where we started in uh, our reading today. Verse 13 says, These all died in faith, not having received the promises, but having seen them from afar, were assured of them, embraced them, and confessed that they were strangers and pilgrims on the earth. Mm-hmm. So what do you guys think about verse 13 there? Mm-hmm. I think that's pretty powerful to think that all of those people that it mentioned died still believing in God. Uh, even when they couldn't understand God's plan or um, and even at the end of their lives, uh, it, putting myself in their shoes like with uh, Abraham or Sarah, like it may have felt to them like not everything had yet been revealed. They're not seeing the riches of, of being able to be in... Uh, in the land that he promised, in the in the country, which we'll get mm-hmm. to soon, uh, but they kept their faith. They didn't waver from the truth of God's word. So, despite them knowing that they wouldn't go straight to heaven, their faith didn't waver. And I think that is true faith. That if I was in their shoes, would I? Would I do that? Would I keep that faith in these times where it felt like it would be impossible for God to somehow work it out? I I can't say I could. I would hope I could, but... And the author isn't necessarily saying that... Well, he's not saying... And I'm not sure how many people out there are even questioning this, but the author isn't saying that they aren't going to get what there was promised to them. More likely that they didn't get it yet. Mm-hmm. And, but they saw that they would get what was promised from a distance. And so they knew that it was coming. They just knew that it wasn't going to be in their lifetime, probably closer to death. Mm-hmm. And... um, And the reference, obviously, to foreigners and nomads... In the way that this earth isn't our home, but rather our home is in heaven. So coming home, I guess, is them after death, and then, um, or perhaps when Jesus returns. But our time on earth is short, and so they're treating it as if it was just a foreign land, and they hadn't been, they hadn't come home yet. Mm-hmm. Which is a fairly good way to look at it, because they knew it wasn't their permanent home. Yeah, they're just treating it like they're there for a mission. Mm-hmm. That's an ongoing theme in the Bible. <clears throat> yeah. And it's all a part of God's big plan 
a long process from the beginning of creation until now and so on, just how everything was working in his promises and leading up to Jesus. And now that we are in um, the post-resurrection world, like all of that, he's still at work and um, he continues to make good on those promises. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So verse 14 says, obviously people who say such things are looking forward to a country they can call their own. If they had longed for the country they came from, they would have gone back. But they were looking for a better place, a heavenly homeland. That is why God is not ashamed to be called their God, for he has prepared a city for them. So I, I think he's just making a logical argument that the people that follow God really believe what they said. If they didn't believe in a heavenly home or building the treasure up in heaven, they would have only valued earthly things. If mm-hmm. And the home that they would have valued would be their homeland, their home country, and they would have returned there. But they didn't because they were able to put things in perspective. Their home was not on earth, but in heaven. God was not ashamed to be called their God because they gave him everything. Um, the people that followed him, they followed him and took up their cross. I think the author is just saying that we know this because he prepared a city for them. When he says, at least in the NOT, he says, um, that is why God is not ashamed to be called their God, for he has prepared a city for them. Mm-hmm. What are your thoughts on this, Justin? Yeah, I mean, very similar. They knew that one day they would see the new Jerusalem. And the idea of that being being possible kept them hopeful. They stayed hopeful for that. Because even though times were always hard, God had not yet failed them. So they knew that God wouldn't go back on his promise. Because God promised to them that they would get this new city, this new country. If we read John 14, verse 2. Uh, actually, I might just read one as well. It says... This is, about Je- this is Jesus comforting the disciples. He told them, Do not let your hearts be troubled. You believe in God. Believe also in me. My Father's house has many rooms. If that were not so, would I have told you that I am going there to prepare a place for you? And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come back and take you to be with me, that you also may be where I am. You know the way to the place where I am going. Mm. So he's talking about the rooms that he's going to be preparing for them. This is him giving them hope for that new country, that new city that they would be, they would join Jesus in. So, yeah, like I said, God had not failed them. God had promised them that they would see this. And all they had to do is is keep that faith in God and keep relying on him. Even if it seemed like things weren't going how they would envision, it's not about how we would envision. And that's where faith can be challenging because we have a way that we think our lives should go they're like, yeah, you know, God would want this for me because yeah. whatever reasons we can think of. But yet God might not have that same plan that you do. And that's the part that we have to make sure we're staying diligent to God and making sure that we're not doing what we want, but we're following God's plan. Because God's plan, even if it brings us through hardships, is the plan that's going to give us the most meaning and it's going to bring us closer to God. It's going to bring us where he wants. And I'd rather go where he wants than where I want. Do you think it's always clear where he wants us to go? No. No, I don't think so. I don't think it is always clear. I think if we read the Bible, we can see that it was sometimes confusing as to what God's plan was. What would you say that for the listeners out there um, that are trying to figure out his plan for them? What advice would you give them? If they're trying to figure out God's plan for you, I'd say... 
you need to actually listen to God, have open ears, and be open to take steps that might sound too big. Mm -hmm. So God might have called you to move move from that country. God might call you to a completely different job. You have to be willing to listen. Now, how do you know it's God talking to you? That's a hard question to answer, but I think you just have to follow the, the Holy Spirit. He'll give you guidance. You have to pray about it a lot. Seek his word. Also seek guidance from, mm. from strong believers that you trust. Mm-hmm. But to know it's his, I can't really place my, my finger on exactly how you know besides just having the conviction of the Holy Spirit telling you that it is what God has in store. And you might not know right away. But I think eventually, if you are staying diligent to him, if you're regularly following him, listening to him, praying, seeking his guidance through his word, God will reveal it to you eventually at some point. What I really like about um, verse 14 to 16 is how it shows that there's better things to come. Um, So even though they were foreigners in a land... They were walking through the wilderness. Mm-hmm. They were trusting God and not seeing all the promises being fulfilled. They held on to the hope that what he said was true and that indeed there were better things to come, um, which is something that I think speaks to us today because a lot of times there's uncertainty in life, whether if it's a global pandemic or a loss of a job or a loved one or something that just is a huge roadblock that stops mm-hmm. the path that yeah. you thought you were on. Um you just have to keep on trusting that there's better things to come, even if that means that you have to wait until you get to heaven, right? It's There's just there's always hope, and God is always at work, and he always wants what's best for you. And there's always the hope that he is working in your life, because of course he is. Like If you have God, then you can trust in him, and um, he makes life better, not in the sense that he'll always make things the way that you want them to be like bad things can still happen to you it's not yeah. a guarantee that things are going to go perfectly because nothing really ever does but god does bless us in certain ways and if we continue to trust in him then of course we'll go to heaven of course we'll continue to be in his lamb's book of life because we have been faithful and he's faithful to us and it's just a loving caring relationship where he's our heavenly father and what father wouldn't want better things for their children. Mm-hmm. Yeah, exactly. And I think that's important. What you said about the, um, you will get, things will get better even if it's just in heaven because mm-hmm. sometimes I think people often have a perception Christians do where they're like, Oh, I mean, things are hard now, but I know God's working it for my good somehow. Mm-hmm. And it's like, I know he's going to make things better for me in the future. He's got better plans for me. And he's like, yeah, he is working things. He is working things out for the good overall. But how do you know it's going to be for your good? And how do you know it's going to be, you're going to love to see that and things like that. Maybe mm-hmm. it's just for the overall good and mm-hmm. you're going to be in suffering until the day you die. I mean, it's you might think that's very discouraging. But what they're talking about here, a lot of people live like that. Yep. You know, they live in constant suffering and constant oppression and they didn't get this four years in the, the wilderness or sorry, 40 years or 40 generations, uh, 40 years, yeah, 40, 40 years in the wilderness or how many times they went through famine and, mm-hmm. and, and think about, and that still happens yeah. today to Christians all over the world. Mm-hmm. We're yeah. lucky here. And later sure. in the chapter, it goes on to talk about how like people 
were persecuted for their faith, right? And that's still happening today. And just thinking about how like they end up dying in prison and being stoned to death mm-hmm. and all these things. And that's not fulfilling the promises of God like yeah. on earth the way that you might think they would get fulfilled, but they still are being yeah. fulfilled and they still are going to go see Jesus because they persisted on to the end. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, um, okay. So verse 17 says, it was by faith that Abraham offered Isaac as a sacrifice when God was testing him. Abraham, who had received God's promise, was ready to sacrifice his only son, Isaac. Even though God had told him, Isaac is the son for whom your descendants will be counted. Abraham reasoned that if Isaac died, God would be able to bring him back to life again. And in a sense, Abraham did receive his son back from the dead. I feel like that has major foreshadowing about Jesus. Yeah, definitely does. I mean, my translation there actually says that he was offering up his only begotten son, which is obviously the phrase that we know of from John uh, John 3, verse 16. <laughs> yeah. And... Um, like, thinking about how Abraham followed God and... God told him to sacrifice Isaac, who was the promised child, who would from there be the line of this huge people group, and to trust God that he was going to save him somehow. Like, it wouldn't actually kill him, or if it did, he'd bring him back from the dead, right? Because he had all this faith in God that he would do it because he knew that God was faithful. Mm-hmm. Um, it's just crazy mm-hmm. <laughs> to think about. Very like, crazy. if you had a kid and God was like, okay, go out back and set him on fire or whatever, right? It's like, uh, yeah. what? <laughs> it's a big, it's a big step. So, what Justin was talking earlier about uh, this foreshadowing intentionally the coming of Christ um, or Christ's sacrifice actually is referred to as typology in theology and biblical typology is a doctrine or theory concerning the relationship of the Old Testament to the New Testament it is based on the assumption that God placed anticipations of Christ in the laws events and people of the Old Testament um, huh, that's an interesting definition of it but basically it's just like um it's basically just that. It's, it's foreshadowing. It's like when is when uh, people like can see in the Old Testament symbolism of when Christ comes uh, as the Messiah, basically, is, is what it is. And so people that think that's intentionally put there call that typology. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. Um, yeah, so here he's talking about his only begotten son. Uh, now, in Hebrews, this isn't typology because this is in the New Testament. But he's he's basically what the author is saying is that in the Old Testament this was typology this was foreshadowing, mm. um, so or at least it's what it seems like he's saying and it seems to be a lot of that all throughout Hebrews eleven even though we haven't really talked about that and if you want to know more about that me and Justin both like listening to this guy called Mike Winger he's on YouTube he's also known as the Bible Thinker he's got sermons on Hebrews eleven that breaks down how almost every passage he talks about is some kind of typology or could be some kind of typology. And the way he makes it sound, it's, it's pretty convincing. So, mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, other than that, I, I think well, another way to interpret the story of Abraham offering his son Isaac, it's typology. It's also a big step in faith, like we mentioned. It's also um, during that time, God... I think was just trying to show people that he's different. He doesn't sacrifice kids. So around that time in that area, um, 
their a law of child sacrifice. And I think he was just trying to set himself apart and say that I'm different. Mm. We don't sacrifice children. Um, and, you know, like, that's a big no-no, right? And so it's like, well, he made it into a story. Not only so, children, we don't sacrifice humans. True. Yeah, there's that too. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, um, Except for Christ, who was the ultimate sacrifice. That's true too, yeah. And um, I think that... Um, it, it was just put this way so it could be, the information could be in a story so that it would last. And I think that uh, uh, he, it was just put in a story because data uh, back then, you know, a lot of people couldn't read and write. It's not like today. And so putting things in stories kind of make where it can be retold. Uh, our brains actually memorize songs and stories far better. I mean, they re- memorize like raw data and information. And so that way he basically ensuring that it's going to carry forward. So those are my kind of thoughts on hmm. it. Totally. So Yeah, I mean, if we read there in, in Genesis chapter 22, uh, verse 15, it says, The angel of the Lord called to Abraham from heaven a second time and said, I swear by myself, declares the Lord, that because you have done this and have not withheld your son, your only son, I will surely bless you and make your descendants as numerous as the stars in the sky and as the sand on the seashore, hmm. which is actually what we read in 12. Um, but it's also, again, talking about the story of Abraham. So your descendants will be, take possession over the cities of their enemies, and through your offspring, all nations on earth will be blessed because you have obeyed me. Then Abraham returned to his servants. So his faith, that was Genesis chapter 22, verse 16. Okay. So because his faith was so strong, although Isaac was his only child, mm-hmm. he was willing to sacrifice him for God completely showing his true faith and I think his also his fear of the Lord in the Lord. Mm-hmm. And like, just like the song I shared last time, like he's really thinking, really God, how can an entire nation spring from me? How can, how can all these descendants come from me? Mm-hmm. There, There's no way it, it, it can't be. He wasn't saying it wasn't possible. Just really God, like that's what, that's what you're saying. So he trusted in him and he put his whole faith in him. To the point to where he was willing to offer up his own son. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I think, and not only me, but actually, um, I believe he's a biblical scholar. Albert Barnes said, it is the strongest illustration of faith, undoubtedly, which has ever been invinced in our world. Yeah. It's the, yeah, it's, I don't understand it. I can't understand it. It seems incredibly wrong, but. And I can't rationalize or reason with it, but I'm putting my faith in the one that can rationalize and reason with this. Mm-hmm. And so it's like, um, I'm really not into my own understanding and yeah. just completely trust this, completely trust God, knowing that he's the ultimate good mm-hmm. and do what he says. I think it's really just saying like, are you willing to lay down everything you love in pursuit of what I say in pursuit of me? Mm-hmm. And it's hard, right? Because we love our kids and God wouldn't harm them, would he? Well, and, and, and it's fair, I think. That's a fair question to ask. But he was testing his faith. Do, do you truly trust me with every, every fiber of your being to the point to where you would give up anything? Mm-hmm. And he showed there, yes, I would. Now, would God ever have done that? No, I don't think God would have ever actually mm-hmm. followed through and sacrificed his son. Right. Um, because that's not, I don't believe that's in his character. But. Yeah he was seeing if his faith was strong and clearly it was, he was yeah. willing to obey God and trust in God. 
and that's a very strong showing of his faith right there. Yeah, he was also making an incredibly vital part of the scripture. Um, it was another thing that he was doing because he knew that it was going to be important for the Bible later. Mm-hmm. So, um, moving on, verse twenty. By faith, Isaac blessed Jacob and Esau, even regarding things to come. Mm-hmm. By faith, Jacob, as he was dying, blessed each of the sons of Joseph and worshipped, leaning on the top of his staff. Mm-hmm. By faith, Joseph, when he was dying, made mention of the exodus of the sons of Israel and gave orders concerning his bones. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, yeah, I guess they didn't really know the future, eh, when they were doing these blessings and they were just dying once again without seeing what was promised to them and their people. Yeah. I looked up what the blessings were for Jacob and uh, Esau. I guess we could go there. I do like how they're just like, he was so old. He was just leaning on his staff Yeah, as he was just dying and kind of being like, well, it wasn't even just that he was old as why he was leaning. There's an actual reason behind why it happened. David pig for a leg. (laughs) No, he got, he wrestled with an angel. Oh and yeah, but... popped his hip out of place. Oh yeah, that's right. Yeah, one who rustles with God. Um, in Genesis twenty-seven, that is where, where Isaac, where he blesses Jacob and Esau. At the end, I guess towards the end of his life. So in twenty-seven, verses twenty-seven twenty-nine, it says, and. He came near and kissed him, and he smelled the smell of his clothes and blessed him and said, See, the smell of my son is like the smell of the field which the Lord had blessed. Therefore, may God give you of the dew of heaven and the fatness of the earth and plenty of grain and new wine. Let people serve you and nations bow down to you. Be master over your brothers and let your mother's son bow down to you. Cursed be everyone who curses you, and blessed be those who bless you. So he said that to Jacob, which is a pretty strong, like, blessing. No kidding. <laughs> like, master over your brothers, <laughs> mm. you know, and just everyone who curses you will be cursed, and everyone who bless, you know, it's just all just, mm-hmm. which is, I guess that's like the similar thing where it's like, what was it? That he said to Abraham, right? What? <laughs> God said to Abraham, I'll bless those who bless you I and curse those who curse you. Anyway, right? That's something that was said, I think. Yes. This is the one part I didn't make a note on. Okay. Like, oh, yeah, they got this part. I I have, I do have some notes about J- the Joseph Oh, I'm not talking about Joseph right now. I know. Talking about Jacob and Esau. Anyway, I'll keep on going. Yeah, so just a common, I think, blessing that is said in the Bible and other spots, I think, right? Mm -hmm, (laughs) Um, Where it's like, I'll curse those who curse you and bless those who bless you and you will, the nations will be blessed through you, right? Like that was what he said to Abraham even. Um, I wonder if uh, Abraham was the only godly godly person at that time or if he just found favor of him because... Was there something special about him, or is it just, um, maybe it was just that looking at all the factors, he realized that he was the best choice for using his bloodline to bring about the Messiah. Mm. Um, 
not even necessarily that he was the best person that he could find, but rather just like looking at all factors, he could see the future and be like, oh, this is the only one that's going to work or this is going to work the best for what I need. Mm-hmm. Probably something like that, I guess. Yeah. And um, what Isaac said to Esau was, your dwelling shall be away from the fatness of the earth and away mm-hmm. from the dew of heaven from above. You will live by your sword and will serve your brother. Where you become restless, you will break his yoke from your neck. So, mm. yeah. Interesting. Mm-hmm. Powerful stuff. <laughs> it was by, oh, and uh, we read 22, right? So, yeah. I, I, I have notes about Joseph, not many, but... Like Joseph, I mean, no one know the story about Joseph became Pharaoh's right hand man. Let's talk about Jacob first. Well, and and Jacob was able to bless the sons of Joseph. It says mm-hmm. so. Yeah. Like Jacob continued to live on, and he got to see his grandkids, which is pretty awesome. Yeah, and he got to speak words of blessing to them as well. And for those wondering what it means when it says, uh, by faith, Jacob, as he was dying, blessed each of the sons of Joseph and worshipped him leaning on the top of his staff. I read that. I'm like, why why is that included? And it's because I forgot about the story where Jacob actually wrestles with God. I thought it was an idiom. Yeah. For Uh, being owed. So it says, so Jacob was left alone and a man wrestled with him till daybreak. When the man saw that he could not overpower him, he touched the socket of Jacob's hip so that his hip was wrenched as he wrestled with the man. But the man said, let me go for it is daybreak. But Jacob replied, I will not let you go unless you bless me. The man asked him, what is your name? Jacob, he answered. Then the man said, your name will no longer be Jacob, but Israel, because you have struggled with God and with humans and have overcome. Hmm. Jacob said, please tell me your name. But he replied, why do you ask my name? And then he blessed him there. So Jacob called the place Peniel. Penile? Penile. Penile. Saying, it is because I saw God's face. So it is because I saw God's face, God face to face, and yet my life was spared. Hmm. Then the sun rose above him as he passed Peniel, and he was limping because of his hip. Therefore, to this day, the Israelites do not eat the tendon attached to the socket of the hip, because the socket of Jacob's hip was touched near the tendon. Hmm. So interesting little backstory as to why I mentioned that. Yeah. Hmm. It's interesting how it says, like, um, Isaac blessed Jacob and Esau. Jacob blessed each of his sons, each of the sons of Joseph. And then Joseph, Joseph when yeah. he was dying, mentioned Exodus of the children. So it's all like when they're dying, and pretty with, much. And then with Joseph, <laughs> he mentioned of the Exodus of the sons of Israel and the sons of Israel, the people of Israel. Mm-hmm. So it just shows how much faith they had even to the end where it's like, oh, I'm dying now, but God's promises are still going to happen even yep. though I'm going to be dead. <laughs> and I'm not going to see it, actually. Yeah. That's that's really strong. And yeah, we'll definitely get into that in a little bit more. Mm-hmm. I wonder if Jacob wrestling with uh, him was also a test of some kind. Mm-hmm. Maybe. Joseph, of course, became Pharaoh's right-hand man. And even though he died there in Egypt, he still believed in, in God's promise. And... um he wanted his bones buried in Israel, um, and it actually took 300 years for yeah. him to get there. Yeah. So uh, he, um, I was listening to the sermon about this, and uh, how they went about it is they basically kind of did exactly what we're doing. They just talked about every single story. And one of the things they talked about was that, and he was making jokes about it, because like, 
It's like, who was washing these bones for 300 years? Whose responsibility was that? <laughs> it's like, they must have been passing it down. Well, he was seen as a great man, so I guess, like, you know, they probably wanted had to take it good care of it. Had really important place. They're like, ah, oh, one day we'll get there. Maybe. We'll see. But it's also, like, I think that coffin that would that would be there, and it wasn't buried in the ground either, right? It was above the ground. Yeah, they would have They would have looked at it and said, you know, this is a reminder that he's not going to be buried in Egypt because we're going to wait because it is... It, he once we get to the promised land that's where we can bury him because that's the place that god will one day lead us that's what he promised hmm. yeah it's probably symbolic of some kind of hope yeah right? it, it is it, it would be a completely symbolic image of you know once we get led to the promised land then we can bury joseph yeah all right so like his his faith testified for years after he after he died every time they looked at that they're like yep there is joseph there is that strong <laughs> man of faith and every time we see that, we're reminded of this promise that God has for us, that we will one day be able to be in the promised land away from Egypt. 300 years, though. I mean, I wonder how people were starting to doubt that after a while. They're like, ah, he's been there for like 100 years. I got a little smelly, too, you know, some flies around there. Not well, I mean, they obviously, anyway. I like what uh, Spurgeon said about this story, though. He said, the Holy Spirit in this chapter, I'm getting this from Enduring Word. He said, the Holy Spirit in this chapter selects out of good men's lives the most brilliant instances of their faith. Mm. I should hardly have expected that he would have mentioned the dying scene of Joseph's life as the most illustrious proof of his faith in God. Does not this tell us, dear brethren and sisters, that we are very poor judges of what God will most delight in? I think that's pretty powerful. Mm-hmm. Definitely. Okay, moving to verse 23. By faith, Moses, when he was born, was hidden for three months by his parents because they saw he was a beautiful child and they were not afraid of the king's edict. By faith, Moses, when he had grown up, refused to be called the son of the Pharaoh's daughter, choosing rather to endure ill treatment with the people of God than to enjoy the pass- passing pleasures of sin, hmm. considering the reproach of Christ greater riches than the treasures of Egypt, for he was looking for, he was looking to the reward. So when I first read that, by faith Moses, he when he was born was hidden for three months by his parents because they saw he was a beautiful child. I went and reread the story again as I as I think we should if you're reading through this, and I'm like, huh? The Bible says, and I went back to it, and it says the Bible says that he was beautiful. Hmm. And that's why they didn't want to sacrifice him. Uh, they didn't, they didn't want to give him up because obviously at the time they were sacrificing the firstborn. Yeah, when I read that, I was like. Huh? Are all kids beautiful? Well, yeah. but So then I was thinking, I'm like, I wonder if his parents knew that he was divinely chosen. Mm -hmm. If his parents knew that they they felt compelled by God to keep him. That it wasn't just like, oh, I I love how cute my little baby is. First of all, yeah. Like, aren't all babies cute? I think. This is just my my (laughs) guess. Man, and the the NLT makes it sound like an insult. Does it? God had... They saw that God had given them an unusual child. <laughs> Interesting. That definitely sounds like an insult. Very unusual. He's special, uh, that one. He's special. Wow. He uh, looks uh, just like it, Tim. Yeah, yeah. Or whatever his dad's name was. <laughs> oh, Probably man. not Tim. Oh, my goodness. Uh, yeah, it's so hard. to me, I, it's just my speculation, but I wonder if the parents felt like it, it wasn't just that, oh, he was a beautiful child, but like, I think God's compelling us to keep him, you know? Mm. I think there's I th- this might be divinely inspired. Yeah. Just a thought. Because, yeah, I mean, I'm assuming every child is beautiful, but something compelled them to keep this child. Mm-hmm. They could have actually, they could have been good parents. 
So there's that. Yeah, it could just it's be just that. Like we're gonna Maybe stake our not. lives on yeah. not killing her. Yeah. Um. I mean, whatever. I don't want to assume sure that er- no one parents. was good parents back then. But like, they could just mm-hmm. been the ones that were bold enough to stand up to that kind of oppression. Maybe because um, they knew that God was calling them to do that, they were able to do it. I was going to say, right. yeah, maybe they just felt convicted by God, but this one was special. I'm not sure. Mm-hmm. But unusual. <laughs> Highly unusual. unusual. So I read about, that was more about 23 that I talked about. Mm-hmm. So now 24, it's saying, by faith, Moses, when he had grown, grown up, refused to be called the son of Pharaoh's daughter. Yep, that's pretty interesting. Eh? Like, I'm, well, I'm partially, I'm not really surprised about that. Uh, like people are like, well, I mean, okay, uh, no, it took faith for sure. Uh, but like, part of me wonders, like, did that start out of a sense of righteousness, or did that start out of like, just being a teenager? <laughs> Where it's like, you know how like people today they feel guilty for being rich when they're rich or something, and they want right, to identify right. with people that are uh not as rich because they have that guilt, and you know they're like, uh, I don't, you know, want to be known as this. I want to make my own way or something like that. And so I, I, I'm almost not really that surprised that when he grew up, he was just like, mm-hmm. yeah, I don't want to be known as the Pharaoh's daughter. You're oppressing my people. Um, but I mean, I'm sure that it was also like, it's, if not at the beginning, probably later done out of a sense of righteousness and out of a love for God. Right. So, I mean, as it's shown like later in his life, but yeah, I mean, he still, regardless of how it started or what motivated him in the beginning, he still, rejected luxury Mm. for oppression so Mm -hmm. yeah well i think part of it was also that he wanted to identify as hebrew he didn't want to be seen as an egyptian Mm -hmm. so i think that was probably part of it because uh when uh when the daughter of the pharaoh saw the child uh the child was crying she had pity Mm -hmm. on him and said this is one of the hebrews children Now it came about in those days when Moses had grown up that he went out to his brethren and looked on their hard laborers and he saw an Egyptian beating a Hebrew, one of his brethren. See, he's saying it's one of his brothers. He's a Hebrew. Mm -hmm. So he looked his way and that when he saw that there was no one around, he struck the Egyptian and hit him in the sand. So he killed him. Wow. He went out the next day and behold, two Hebrews were fighting with each other. And he said to the offender, why are you striking your companion? But he said, but he said, who made you a prince or judge over us? Are you intending to kill me as you killed the Egyptian? Oh. <laughs> then Moses was afraid and said, surely the matter has become known. Hmm. Um, and then when he heard of it, when Pharaoh heard of that, he tried to kill Moses. And then Moses fled um, from the presence of Pharaoh and landed in Midian. That goes on. Um, so, yeah, I think part of it was probably, you know, wanting to identify as uh, a Hebrew and not as an Egyptian. Part of the royalty could have also been a big part of it, too. Yeah, but it says, choosing rather to endure ill treatment with the people of God than to enjoy the passing pleasures of sin, is what my version says. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. So he would rather choose to be oppressed by being known as the Hebrew than to be known as the the son of uh, the Pharaoh's daughter. Mm -hmm. So that's that's strong faith right there, because who knows what kind of oppression and affliction that he faced just from doing that alone. And not that's the very first part of the faith that we see in Moses. For sure. Going on to 26. Yeah. And we see how... But it, you also didn't intend to get caught. <laughs> I don't think. I think that was like yeah. God just... You Although know, he probably knew it was a possibility. Yeah, for sure. But it's like, 
he probably wasn't sure. Like, he probably wanted to identify with the Hebrews, but he was probably still living pretty good until we got caught for that crime. And he's like, all right, I guess now I'm in the thick of it. God put me here. And he also killed somebody. Mm-hmm. There's that. <laughs> you know, he did kind of murder someone. So there's. But he yeah. was also breaking up a fight, though. So I was like, was it murder? I mean, I mean, is it murder? Is it self-defense? We weren't really there. So we see how faith is a choice and how Moses was able to choose to trust in God rather than to trust in the gods that were in Egypt. And he chose to be known as a child of God rather than a child of Pharaoh, which mm. is a very important decision because everything completely turns around after that, right? In mm-hmm. his life, it's like you go into the bur- mm-hmm. to the burning bush and all that and how he gets to lead the people. So let's move on to 26. Became a fugitive. Yeah. Well, you actually made a good point there about... Um, <laughs> You actually made a good point. I didn't want to say it like that. You, you, actually, uh, made a good you point. actually finally made no. a decent point. You, that's a good point. That he didn't he didn't put his faith in the gods of Egypt. There is a lot of gods in the Egyptian mm-hmm. culture. Uh, there's a god for everything, basically. So it could be very easy for him to attach himself to that because it's all around him. Yeah, that's all he's seeing is these gods. Mm-hmm. Yet he felt compelled by the god of Abraham and Isaac and Jacob. And I don't know this to be true for sure, but. They're probably all there to serve him rather than him serving the gods, right? As mm-hmm. they tended to be. And so it's like, I mean, he could have had everything for the taking, as we mentioned earlier. But he's like, eh, that's eh, okay. I'll take the life of suffering. I'm good. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So 26, considering the reproach of Christ greater riches than the treasures of Egypt, mm-hmm. for he was looking for, to the reward. Which it was. <laughs> like, and how was Christ it? is always greater in riches than anything else, especially treasures. I find it interesting that it adds, considering the reproach of Christ, mm-hmm. greater riches. Because was Moses thinking about Christ? Mm-hmm. I guess he was thinking of... The promises? The promises of what God had told him that there would once be, there, there would one day be a Messiah that would come to save them all. Mm-hmm. So I guess in that sense, it makes sense. And Christ obviously is God. So, yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, and there's a footnote on mine that says, i.e. the Messiah. So, yeah, I mean, at the time, he didn't know his name was Jesus Christ of Nazareth, but right. he knew yeah. of the Messiah. Yeah. And and here in 26, I like how it mentions reward because earlier in Hebrews, we heard a lot about the reward of having faith, the reward of continuing on trusting in God and how turning from God takes away the reward. Um, mm-hmm. <laughs> no, you're right. Yeah. And some some might... I, I like the comparison, riches and the treasures of Egypt. Because, yeah, I mean, Egypt was known for their gold and their, mm-hmm. their jewels. And, and innovation. Innovation, yeah. And everything. If you're a royalty, like they'd cover the, the tombs and the mummies and gold and riches and incense and everything. Yeah, to use one of their idioms. It was flowing with milk and honey. Why did I say that? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I, I, whenever I think of Egypt today, I think of like desert land for some reason. Yeah, I mean, that's the most of, that's a lot of Egypt. But like back then, there was actually quite a uh, abundance of like growth and like resources and stuff like that. Like mm. it was very uh, resource dense. So they had no problem with agriculture and things like then. Things yeah. like that. Uh, deserts today have actually grown quite a bit. Like they didn't used to be like that. Hmm. Although the pyramids were created like 20,000 years before. Yeah. Or when was it? 5,000 years before Christ? Something like that. 2,000. 2,000 years. The Roman Empire. 2,000 years before Christ, right. Yeah. The Roman Empire was as owed to the Roman Empire as the Roman Empire is to us. 
Mm. So right. it, it was mysterious. Like no, they don't know who made the pyramids, but they're they actually new research has shown it might have actually been Israeli slaves. Yeah. Are we? I wouldn't be surprised. I'm like, of course, it's the Jews that you guys take. Yeah, for why sure. is it always the Jews? But yeah, so the um the pyramids, like they were they were pretty mysterious even then at the time, right? Like we have lots of we have plenty of great documentation from the Roman Empire. We know lots about them. We don't know much about the pyramids at all, mm-hmm. actually. Like pretty much right. nothing. Anyways, uh, we were talking about the treasures. Oh yeah, and then the reward thing. <clears throat> Yeah, because they knew, they the people of the Old Testament knew that this reward that God had spoken of was not an earthly one, was not one that's temporary, like we read about. Um, so as we read, like they knew, they knew that God had a better place in store for them, a new Jerusalem, this this greater country. So they thought, well, let's look at this. What what's better, the rewards of the treasures of Egypt, or the reward of this land that God promises? This new city where we're to live blameless and sinless, where this Messiah will be with us. I think that sounds like a better reward, even though I don't get to see it right now. You know, it's like a long-term investment. What's better? Mm-hmm. The riches and everything good now or everlasting glory in heaven yeah. later? It's really important to be able to pick. It's re- Yeah, it's really... They're showing the ultimate... They're demonstrating the importance of picking for the future, right? Making decisions that are going to benefit them long term for tomorrow instead of for what's going to benefit them short term, but but ultimately going to be destructive for today. Totally. Mm, yeah. Uh, Twenty-seven. By faith he left Egypt, not fearing the wrath of the king, for he endured as seeing him who is unseen. I really like the Pharaoh's goatee. Just thought I'd say that. <laughs> That's very important. What I thought... <clears throat> yeah, so for verse 27, um, what I took from it was how he didn't fear the wrath of the king. In 27, I really... What I took from it is how it says that Moses didn't fear the wrath of the king. So instead, he endured by looking to him who's invisible. And that's just yeah, something that I think we, as Christians today, really need to take from because mm-hmm. we shouldn't worry or fear about kings and governments and whatever policies and things are happening around us because we need to look to God and trust him more than all those things because he is better than earthly kingdoms kingdom of heaven goes on forever um, and whatever is happening whatever silly things kings are up to mm-hmm. uh, the government I mean, look it's at how many just, times yeah. that the Bible spoke about us not having, shouldn't, about the time where we should not fear. I mean, there's an obvious one in Isaiah, do not mm-hmm. fear for I am with you. Do not anxiously look about you. Yeah. It's a one translation I'm reading. For I am your God. I will strengthen you. Surely I will help you. In Genesis, he was saying to Abram, do not fear, Abram. I'm a shield to you. Your reward shall be very great. To Hagar, do not fear for God heard the voice of, of where he is. Do not stretch out your hand against a lad. Do nothing for him for now. I know. Anyways, there's tons and tons of examples where it's speaking of not not needing to fear mm-hmm. because God mm-hmm. will give you strength. Definitely. Yeah. Be strong and courageous. Don't be terrified. Don't be dismayed. The Lord God with you wherever you go. Joshua 1 verse 9. Yeah, that's a good one too. Yeah, I haven't memorized mm-hmm. since I was so little. So <laughs> he didn't fear the king. He endured and he kept his, he kept looking to God for guidance and yeah. he kept his trust in him. 
yeah, it's more important for us to do um, to prioritize what God wants us to do than yeah what political forces or mm-hmm. social forces out there try to push us to do. Mm-hmm. We don't want to fall victim to. We don't want to fall um, victim to just being that guy that follows in line when political forces and social forces push you to do something that's not in God's favor. Mm-hmm. Um, that happens all over in history. has ha- happened all over history, and you definitely want to be the person that is in tune enough with what God wants for your life mm-hmm. that that doesn't happen to you. Mm-hmm. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, and I like that this verse also included as seeing him who is unseen or invisible in Emily's translation. Yeah. Uh, I don't know. That's, that's really good to me because, yeah, you know what? A lot of the times people say, oh, I, I won't believe it until I see it. I don't believe <laughs> you until I see it myself, mm-hmm. which is a bit ignorant, to be honest. Totally. Uh, I have some trust. <laughs> but to me, yeah, you know what? We say we can't see God. I mean, I, I see him in our creation everywhere around us. Mm-hmm. I look, I, I see mm-hmm. little pieces of of his glory and his and his creation but yeah we don't you know we don't physically see god yet there will be a day where we will um but we have to keep our faith and strength that we can get we don't we don't need i don't know the humans have this weird thing where it's we we won't believe it until we are fully convinced by mm-hmm. a standard that we set ourselves and everyone's standard is different totally. you know like yeah there's a there's a famous uh I believe it was an atheist or a Christian, I don't remember, had asked Richard Dawkins one time if God himself, you knew, and there was verifiable evidence that it was God, spelled in the clouds in like red, huge red letters, hello, Richard Dawkins, this is God, I am here, and there was proof that it was God, would you believe it? And he said, no, I would Mm. still not believe in God. Huh. And that proves that there is not enough evidence, no matter what happened, that Richard Dawkins would ever believe in God. There isn't enough, no matter what, because of that standard that he set. Like, do, no matter what evidence there is, there is no way that he would have faith in God, hmm. despite the evidence. Which, to me, actually shows that he's not being honest when he says, when he talks about this. But that's a whole other story. Hmm. But we have to have faith because that's where that's how it got all of these people through their lives in the Old Testament because there are times where you have to rely on it because you might not understand and things might look bleak, things might look bad. Yeah. Life is suffering, mm-hmm. things aren't going to be easy. I know some pastors out there try to promise you that, you know, God like we we heard unfortunately Bill Johnson say God has a plan to heal everybody. It's like that's just not true. The Bible doesn't say that. Life is going to be hard, but that's when we have to rely on on Christ for our strength. Okay, um, verse 28. By faith, he kept the Passover and the sprinkling of the blood so that he who destroyed the firstborn would not touch them. By faith, they passed through the Red Sea as though they were passing through dry land. And the Egyptians, when they attempted it, were drowned. How much faith does that take? <laughs> oh, man. You see the waters part and you're like, all right, come along. Where are we going? Walking through there. Yeah. I'm sorry. What? <laughs> Imagine having so much trust in God, you're willing to walk through a split sea. It's like... Just seeing the, yeah. seeing the walls of water around you. Maybe there's like some fish swimming in them beside you. Yeah. Maybe a shark goes by. What? 
I guess so. The big walls of water. I mean, they, the animals didn't just disappear. <laughs> I suppose so. Like, I don't They're know. just like, and it's not going to fall in on us, right? No. All right. I guess we're doing yeah. this. I guess see, see I'll how I do have what my I'm hands told. Up like, see how I have my hands up like this with a staff in my hand? Mm-hmm. I, I, I better not get an arm cramp or a sneeze and then I move and then I'm just kidding. <laughs> Man, there's definitely people worried about that. <laughs> how far of a walk was that? Probably a pretty far oh, walk. Oh, very far. I, I could even do the math quickly. Do it. So the Red Sea is 1,200 miles long at its widest point and over three and over 190 miles wide or 300 kilometers wide. No, so at the smallest point, 300 kilometers, if you walked an average of 10 kilometers an hour, then you'd be walking for 30 hours or at the smallest point. That's a, that's a long time. <laughs> that's a full mm-hmm. day in a bit if they're walking at 10. Anyways. Who cares about that part? Either way. Uh, so, yeah, I mean, the Red Sea, the maximum width is 190 miles. Uh, great. And uh, either way, large, large sea that the people had to walk across. And they had faith that, one, the land would stay dry, that it wouldn't get muddy and all of a sudden they get stuck, uh, that the walls would stay up. So, And then Moses had faith that God would use him in that, in that moment. Hmm. Uh, so a lot of faith there. <laughs> Your trust in God have to be enormous. But you just see these ginormous walls of water up above you. Not only are you going to make it to the other side, but remember, the army is right behind them. The yeah. ground must have just flattened out because the terrain couldn't have been flat at the bottom. Could it have been? It probably well, wouldn't have been. There'd be dips and everything. Mm-hmm. Yeah, there's no way they could have gotten their carts That's through so and hard. stuff. It must have just the, the water must have parted, and the ground must have just like flattened out for the cars to get through and they just like ah yeah, probably doesn't mention that part in the bottle but i assume yeah i mean it says they walked on dry land like it, it yeah. would it would have been something it, that was right so the water part they could use their carriages the 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 land must have leveled and then it dried up so they could go through if i can and also that the horses were calm despite <laughs> what the all kinds of miracles what around was moment. around them and like i said the army was right behind them yeah and uh as soon as they got through the waters went back and drowned everyone behind them. Hmm. So we're talking about 29, right? Yeah. Okay. Twenty. Oh, I guess we kind of skipped 28, the Passover part. We passed over the Passover. We passed over the Passover, guys. Oops. Oops. That's not biblical. Oops, a daisy. But first, about 29. Um, in 29, it switches from saying, like, he had faith for Moses to they right by faith they passed through so it goes from just moses to all of them they had faith together to walk through the uh the red sea so having faith that he would protect them and that they wouldn't drown like (laughs) yeah just picturing that it's intense very intense and uh, to go back quickly, uh, by faith he kept the Passover and the sprinkling of the blood so that he who destroyed the firstborn would not touch them. I don't know about you guys, but when I was young and I heard the story of the Passover, it kind of scared me a bit. Definitely. Yeah, me I too. Think, I don't remember which version we watched, like, but there was a version that they showed of the Passover. Yeah. Assuming. And you just heard like the screams at nighttime. And, and putting blood over the doorpost, just like, that's so creepy. <laughs> just <that's> so <laughs> like blood well, the, really well at the time like it was not uncommon for the average person to slaughter the animals that they would, mm-hmm. they would like we don't kill animals so yeah it wasn't it probably wasn't that weird they yeah they had they they were very familiar with seeing um graphic stuff but mm-hmm. you know 
but we children here. Yeah, and, uh, exactly. The <laughs> so the it probably wasn't that like horrible. Yeah. They're just like, oh, put the blood on the, on the door. I guess. I don't know. I guess that's the thing. Yeah, when I was a kid, I, when I heard that story the first time, I was like, like I was pretty scared. But I remember asking my dad, I was like, wait, firstborn? What's that? I didn't understand. Wait, would that be me? He's like, and I was like, I was scared about it. He's like, no, no, that'd be James. I'm like, okay, that's not that bad then. I was just like so relieved that I would have been, it was my brother or not me for some reason. Yeah, but if you were back then, hopefully. Well, I was a very small child. You yeah. would have been passed over. Yeah. Well, the thing that always freaked me out about the story is just how all those little baby boys had to die. Yeah. It's so sad. I, yeah, the ones that had baby boys. That didn't, that didn't, uh, I guess, worry about the Passover. Did I mean they would have heard about it and they just didn't want to believe? Mm. Yeah. So. Yeah. Well, I guess it's like the Egyptians were killing off the Hebrew babies, but and now God was revenge. killing off the. <laughs> well, you have no. to think. Um, putting, Egyptian dudes putting the blood on the doorposts was a mark of faith. I'm reading this from. Uh, NGDresourcecenter.com. It says, also putting the blood on the doorposts was a mark of faith that apparently was yeah. not limited to Israelites, mm -hmm. but anyone who placed his or her faith in God. Mm. The text says that many others left Egypt with the Israelites. Perhaps they too claimed his God by marking their homes. Mm. Uh, so, And something else I read, it says, uh, some have claimed that God intended the blood to be smeared on the doorway in the shape of a cross represented by the pictogram for the letter Tav, which means sign. However, it is difficult to see the shape of this pictogram resembles the outline of a doorway. Moreover, it is likely that the ancient Israelites wrote using Katav Ivri, which does not have a letter that represents either a cross or, or a doorway. In biblical, in biblical Hebrew, the letter that most clearly represents a doorway is the letter Chet, which is the number eight. I'm not going to include that. Based on this connection, uh, oh, or it could have been the symbol, which would go up, across, and then down. That symbol means life. Based on this connection, a drash could be made that the blood of the lamb not only saved from the judgment of death, but also symbolized divine life. I um, know at any rate, that could be true. Maybe not. Maybe it's uh, people like stretching to, you know, to, to make connections. But either way, uh, those people had faith that God would not kill the firstborn child of their home, mm -hmm. but he would show them grace and pass over yeah. their homes and would not touch them. And yeah, like I said, when I was younger, that, so that uh, story intimidated me a bit until I understood it further. And I actually want to read it again, too. Hmm. I just had a thought about how when Jesus was born, King Herod went and like told them to go and kill all the little babies under two that were boys. More typology. Yeah. <laughs> it's been done a lot. So yeah, you can see the faith of those people. Uh, during the time of uh, where Moses was and the and Moses bringing them through uh, Egypt, yeah, I mean a lot of them didn't keep their faith, but a strong amount of them did. Uh, man, like you really, really have to read these stories and put yourself in their shoes and think: Would you do the same? Would you keep mm. believing in God, seeing all the oppression around you, all the death around you, the disease? Also, this guy comes and says he represents God of Abraham. Or he's he's he believes in the God of Abraham, and he does these miracles, and mm -hmm. says that it's God doing them. Would you would you put your faith in that? I pro I, I probably would because they they got they saw nothing but but awful 
uh, disease and just horrible living. And he tells them that he's going to bring them to the promised land or he's going to help lead them there. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I mean, I put my faith in that. And that faith really showed how important it is for us. Because like I said, I, I don't know if I would be able to do that. that. That trust in God is on another level. And I think where we are now, it's it's a lot easier to not have that kind of faith because it's so life life. Yeah, there's there's some struggles, but comparatively, we are we are kings how we live now, mm-hmm. even across the world. I think that there's a reason why there are some of these countries that have the strongest faith are live are in the poor areas. And some people might look at that and say, "Oh, it's because they just believe in God as a crutch." You know, mm-hmm. there is nothing else for them, so they must believe in a God because there is nothing else. No, I think it's because they understand struggle. And they understand pain on a level that we would never understand. And the, the when it comes down to it, we rely on these temporary things to try to get us through the day. And that doesn't last. We know that. Mm-hmm. Why do you think our suicide rate is so high in, this, in, in the Western countries? Yeah. These people struggle to put bread on the table. They have to walk miles just to go get some water that's not even clean in the first place. There's mm-hmm. bacteria in it. Yeah. These people have to have God. Yeah, I mean that's part of it though, eh? Like part of it is that I mean they're not they're not entirely wrong when they say that they have God because they don't have much else. It's like that's partially true and that's partially why I think that they they benefit almost from not having as much as we do. And um is that they don't have so much to lean on all the time. They don't have to be like we're so materialistic in our world and we can lean on how luxurious our lives are. Uh but for them it's like life is so rough it's like god is more essential to them yeah so we should take on some of that yes definitely yeah we should become impoverished mud pies no mud (laughs) anyway (laughs) just mud cookies look good you know dirt and water just putting with some more dirt on top putting god first above everything else and seeing that he is more important than the riches that we have here Literally anything. He's more yeah. important than the relationships we have, which yeah. that's a hard one. Definitely. Like God has to be paramount in everything we do. Yeah. And I can't say that I've always done that. I mean, I can I can definitely say that I have not always done that. Mm-hmm. And, um, but I have to because that is how, I mean, that's keeping yourself yeah. in check. You have to because if you don't, I could put myself in a destructive life i could i could head myself into a selfish arrogant uh empty life if i don't do that and that might sound a bit uh, aggressive some people would say really Mm -hmm. hey i'm not a christian and i i don't i wouldn't describe my life like that yeah and that's fine but i think i would i I would describe if i if i didn't i would probably be that Mm -hmm. well if you value well as christians we believe if you value anything else above god then you're valuing the wrong things right and so i mean whatever it is you're putting your faith in something that's your life your fulfillment in life could if you don't have your faith in god you think your life is pretty good your fulfillment in life could always be better um Mm -hmm. by doing that and so Mm -hmm. maybe it's just things seem pretty good now but Mm -hmm. you know sometimes when People are sick. They don't always realize they're sick because if they've had that condition for a long time, they don't know any different. 
Yeah. They see it as normal. So, and yeah. Sometimes it's and even so scary to think about being healed from it because you've been with it so long. It's like, what would I do without my anxiety or without something like that? Yeah, mental illness is one thing, but even like physical ailments, there's stories of people having something and not realizing that they have it. Hmm. And it infringes on their being, but they are, it causes suffering, but they just assume everyone's like that. And then they realize that there's something wrong and then they get it removed. And yeah. like there's a stories of it's, uh, someone's, um, I think it was like, I can't remember the, the exact details, but it was something like there's a tooth that grew in wrong and it hmm. was infringing on their, their windpipe and they couldn't breathe properly. Oh no. And they just thought it was asthma. And then they didn't really know anything else because it's been there for so long. And then they finally got it removed. And then they could breathe so good. And they didn't realize that that was like how it was, it was, sup- them that much. It was supposed mm-hmm. to be. Yeah. And it's just like, well, life is pretty good for me. Well, you could be lying for yourself. Yeah. Or you maybe you don't you know how good it could be. Yeah. Maybe you generally believe it. And I say life is a good. I, and I don't mean like life is going to be better with him. I mean, life is certainly better with him, but maybe mm-hmm. for different reasons. You might suffer more physically, but... In terms of fulfillment and happiness, you're going to be better off. And ultimate joy. Yeah. So and a purpose. Yeah. And there's, love. there's nothing mm-hmm. like it. Yeah, for sure. So, okay. Believing, putting your faith in and valuing something else above God is almost certainly going to lead to some serious problems in your growth, mm-hmm. at least in my observation. Mm-hmm. So, I, um, there's something about like being around like, Christians that are just doing it right, that you see a different level of just like how nice they are and just wisdom. Um. So, anyway, that's yeah. I think that's all we have time for today, guys. Anyone yep. have any other thoughts? No, I'm good. Great. Um, Emily, did you want to lead us off in prayer? Sure. God, thank you that you have given us abundance through relationship with you and that we are able to read the Bible and study it together and for having podcast media and other forms of um, learning from internet sources and sermons and all these different things, God, thank you that we're able to draw closer to you by studying your word. God, thank you that we have such wonderful examples in the Bible of how we should be living our lives in faith. From Genesis to Revelation, God, there's just so much to draw from and so many lessons. And thank you that you work through your Holy Spirit to guide us every day, help us to trust in you and to have that faith so that we can proclaim your goodness and stick with you to the end and beyond that, God. Thank you. Amen. 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 All right, time for the outro, but I don't have my notes because my laptop just died. So I'm going to try to wing this. Let's see how well it goes. That's all we have time for today, guys. You can find this podcast on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, and Spotify. If you'd like to reach out to us, we have social media accounts. We have Facebook, TikTok, Twitter, Instagram, YouTube, and... That's it. And YouTube. (laughs) (laughs) We also have a website, disciplesquest.net, where you will find all of our Disciples Quest activity aggregated. It's also where Emily releases her blog every second Wednesday. If you'd like to support this show, you can find us on Patreon. Speaking of which, shout out to our Patreon subscribers... Brandon, Darlene, and Philip, thank you so much for giving to this podcast. Thank you so much for listening, and may God guide you on your quest to become better disciples. Bye, guys. Bye-bye. Bye.